this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all the Star Trek. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Uh, you might not recognize the name of this podcast because it is brand new. We're taking the Picard feed and we are converting it into the Baldly Go feed. Uh, so we can cover more Star Trek because I think both of us are pleasantly surprised with the way Star Trek's been going in the last year, <laughs> let's say. Uh, I, I was going to say a couple years, but... Mm. I was just thinking that, like, wouldn't it be funny if the 2020s reignites our love for both Star Wars and Star Trek? Because, like, both of these franchises that have been moribund for many, many years are mm-hmm. showing some signs of life with the, I think, fantastic first season of Strange New World, the mm-hmm. successful third season, nostalgia heavy, admittedly, third season Picard. Yep. And uh, star on the Star Wars side, you got Andor with a glimmer of, like, oh, God, this might be something I'm interested in as a 46-year-old Star Wars fan. Absolutely. The 2020s. 2020 is going to bring it around. Knock on wood. Yeah, I certainly hope so, because I would like to talk more Star Trek. I'm in the middle of a Deep Space Nine rewatch, and that has been mm-hmm. going smashingly well uh, with my wife, who has never seen it. She's really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying everything I saw in season one of uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're back to do a season two preview. Uh, just kind of talk about where we left things, what's going on maybe in that world. Uh, and kind of some of the preview stuff that we've already seen from the trailer. Uh, just get the feed warmed up here for people. Yeah, I kind of want to start with like, because there's a, probably a lot of Star Trek fans in our position where, boy, you just haven't been very happy. That's, you know, maybe you were a fan, a last a fan of the Voyager era. Or maybe you made it through Enterprise or... But, you know, Disco and the early goings of Star Trek Picard were... You know, again, I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you like them, but they were not what I would call, quote unquote, my Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And there's something about this strange new worlds, you know, because many times we said that they need to get back to basics. Like they they went up to left turn to Albuquerque when they went to a space station with Deep Space Nine. And that was interesting and fresh. But like, Mm -hmm. can we just get back to having... Uh, pioneering spirit, a uh, freewheeling adventure where you're going to new worlds, strange new worlds and uh, uncontacted civilizations and getting in moral quandaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't we just do that? And strange new worlds seems like it is that thing. It is the return to yeah. classic gallivanting uh, prime directive defying Star Trek that I like so much. Yeah, let's explore uh, ethics and the issues of our day and things like that. I, I... That's what I'm here for with Star Trek. Uh, and, and season one did that really well. I like the episodic nature of it to where you don't have to have everything lead into everything else. It doesn't have to be prestige TV in that way. Uh, it can look and feel like prestige without all of that serious continuity. You know, you can have crazy adventures on a different planet every week and still make it feel important. But there's just enough continuity that I think makes it interesting, like mm-hmm. in, in kind of like the same way X-Files was mostly Monster of the Week, but you'd have your myth arc episode. The thing that is the glue that binds this together 
is Christopher Pike, who if you're a big Star Trek fan, you know he was the fabled first commander, ill-fated commander of the Enterprise. And he wound up horribly scarred, disfigured, and confined into a fancy 23rd century wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. A big this cardboard box by the looks of it. That Captain Pike is aware of this fate mm-hmm. and the steps that 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 lead him there. And the big quandary that he has is does he duck this fate? Yeah. Or is him accepting it stave off an even worse future? Mm-hmm. Um and like it seems like at the end of last season he's kind of learned that like to accept it. And I wonder if that's going to be a steady state thing or if they're going to continue to play with the difficulty of accepting su- such a horrific thing to happen to oneself. Yeah, no, it's a good question because when you finalize that, you're kind of uh without a captain there. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how long they can play with that idea. Um, if it will maybe focus more on other characters in the meantime, since he has kind of, at the very least, he's made a choice not to harm anyone else in order to escape his own fate. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that, like you said, it's like, and then you'll be out of a captain. In the season finale of last season, they introduced Captain James T. Kirk, who is without a starship by the Mm -hmm. end of the episode. Are they real? Are they going to, are they going to, they got to fast forward this. Did they want Jim? Did they want a story where they you just the classics back together again? I, I, mm, I would be okay with that. I do wonder how people who have their own version of Trek, right? Which is the original series would feel about that. Yeah. Well, I want to sure. talk about, cause like the thing that I think it recommends this show um, is that, I really like the look and feel. It feels like classic Star Trek, but even the look, it feels like this is the 60s television show um, with like big budget version of the 60s special effects and, and music. It's like this retro pulp look. Like um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that uh, when the young Spock looks into his science hood, you can see the screen displaying on his eyes, just like in the old series. I like the fact that in dramatic moments they darken the set and they put spotlights on the people's eyes again just like the old desilu predictions from the 60s it's just done at the very big budget there's sure. like because like, things don't look necessarily realistic like they do in the expanse they look like more foundation and i think that's cool you need both the kind of fantasy aspect of science fiction and the realistic and this is definitely it's not even fantastic it's more of like 1960s popular mechanics envisions of the future where sure, it's yeah yeah it's like you believe future technology have, but retro future the, you believe that they have the uh machine that can rehydrate an entire meal from a pill right <laughs> the, yes yeah <laughs> that's, george that's jetson future. lives in this uh-huh. in this universe and in, indeed um so i i think it's extremely and there's like there. And much like Picard, although I think Picard's energy was always put in the frustrating directions, uh, the showrunners, uh, which have a lot of the same blood between this Picard and Disco, I do think they really do understand the deep lore of Star Trek. And that's the more you know about Star Trek, the more satisfying the series is. I don't think it's required. But just tons of <laughs> yeah. Easter eggs and allusions and references and and nods like knowing kind of winks the things that come that I think they're not too much. They're not ham fisted. They're just mm-hmm. just right for a long term Star Trek fan to appreciate and to get teased for things that are coming like James. Yeah. Kirk. 
no, I think they've been doing that really good. Um, kind of across the spectrum with Star Trek. I, I don't know about Disco because I stopped watching after season 1.5. Um, yeah, same. But Lower Decks does that really well. I, I have really been enjoying that show. Uh, the thing that I that really sticks out to me about this particular show, Strange New Worlds, is how much of a return to Star Trek's roots it is. It's trying to be spiritually everything that the original series and Next Generation were. Um, and and I, I think they really nailed that, and I think they're consciously carrying that through to season two. You can see from the trailer, there's a line in there that says, uh, we're explorers, and sometimes it's easy to forget how freaking cool that is. Mm-hmm. You know, Th- that was the crux of Star Trek for a long time until we got into, you know, Deep Space Nine is kind of partially guilty of transforming Star Trek into something else. But uh, yeah, certainly Disco, certainly Picard was a different thing. Like all of that was different. This feels like a return to the roots, and and they know they're consciously doing that. And it's working well. Yeah, and it's like in a lot of ways, modern Trek is about the de-evolution of the Federation. Like they're now a little grimy and even Mm -hmm. like, this is like the aspirational Federation where they're not to the next generation levels of enlightenment and, and the mental health and all that, but they, but they want to be, they're the space Uh, cowboys of the next generation. Right. But it's a little, it's a little like, you know, it's a little rough and tumble in the margins and there's Uh crazy shit that happens. Like uh, a storybook, fantasy took over the entire crew and and ship last season (laughs) as some little girl's dream fantasy which i think is that's to me very star trek star trek is about Uh every once in a while a godlike being or a holodeck malfunction will transform the crew and put them into sherlock Holmes disguises or dress them up like robin hood or have them you know do some medieval fantasy and that's part of what it does and star trek strange new worlds does that they go to civilizations that are like truly bizarre and, and offer like really interesting Faustian moral bargains. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, are, are, is, is this the kind of civilization we'd want to live in? And is our civilization any better? Like, right. They contrast the current timeline that these people are living in with the history of humanity and show you where you can go from there. Right. And not like in a season two Picard where like we're literally going to go back and see DACA dreamers get beat by ice and immigration. But it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot more um, metaphorical than that. And I think because it's more metaphorical, it's a lot more effective and a lot more fun. And it seems um, like we're doing more of that in the next season. Also, the trailer has a, a medieval looking scene. Uh, yep. with Pike having a shield of some kind, but guns are also there. So I don't know what kind of fantastical world that's going to be, but it looks fun. It looks like the Enterprise is like cruising through a giant forest, or maybe they gotten shrunken down and it's right. a little Enterprise going through a normal, but there's like weird stuff like that in mm-hmm. the, the trailer. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to. Uh, there's Spock drinking blood wine with Klingons who have not made their appearance on the show yet. Uh, he's the primary he's also... antagonist of Ben Gorn, who are fucking terrifying in this universe. <laughs> yes, they're like alien. The, the Gorn are they? Well, at least they breed like xenomorphs. They burst. Uh-huh. They lay eggs inside humans and they burst out. It's horrifying. Um, but they like the the Romulans were big antagonists last season, which I thought was really cool. And uh, we're gonna beat the Klingons. That looks like a lot of fun. 
The uh, Romulans still will be, right? They declared war on yo, they got, the Federation well, at the end of the last season. Well, that was seven that... years into the future. Okay. There was like this alternate timeline introduced in the finale of last season. So I think all that stuff has walked back, but we're... Uh, uh, we're, so, we're definitely in tension. There, we've been at an active yeah, state yeah. of war with the neutral zone imposed for over 100 years at this point. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. There's also, I think, you know, I have not, I tried Lower Decks, I couldn't get into it, but it looks like that notable monster man, Jack Quaid, is (laughs) making the 2D to 3D jump, and he is going to, with Tawny Newsom, they're going to be the main, the two main characters of uh, Lower Decks in real life. They're actually bridging the continuity. Let's do it. I'm so excited for that. I wonder if they'll... Jack Quaid with purple hair, everybody maybe if he's playing boimler yeah did you did he you is. see him in no, the trailer you, you, yeah he's in oh, the trailer i missed him how did i shit. miss him um they're the uniforms is what i i'm like holy shit is that that's a lower deck uniform uh but like him with the purple hair i'm like what and that it's definitely like a walk yeah oh because oh there's a trailer I, I just came at... out like the last day have you seen that one i i must have i just watched the trailer okay a few okay, minutes okay. ago all right all right Cause yeah, that's the one where that was like the big reveal at the end. I think I saw them, but I was looking at her speak the line and I didn't recognize mm. her. I would have recognized Jack Quaid for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's standing right next to her. The other thing that I'm not sure about that the trailer features prominently is Spock's sex life. Yeah. That is the, some of the weakest parts of season one. I'm not sure it's the weakest mm-hmm. cause they were all enjoyable individually, but there's so many episodes devoted to Vulcan sexuality. Mm-hmm. And look, Star Trek on further review has always been a horny show. Yep. It's a horny show, mm-hmm. but like it's a little bit too specific interspecies horny with Spock in a way that I find a little, a little off putting. Spread yeah, the sex I, around. It, it, that's the thing. I guess I, Spock is the least likely, uh, in this case, victim of sex. Like, I don't yeah. think Spock really wants to be doing this. Why the sex. would a whole bunch of sexual hijinks orbit around the Vulcan? Yeah. Because like, it's the funniest pick, right? It's the least likely, most fish out of the, water thing. And, and I get that. The bonfire of it all and the Amok time. We got to mm-hmm. get there. But, like, it is. It is. It's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird focus. A weird I, I could focus. go with an episode of that, but then maybe you know back off the throttle on the Spock sex. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about the show is they change up the crew all the time. Like out of the main bridge crew, uh, they killed off the main engineer last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're replacing her with uh, him, uh, uh, which I really liked Himmler with Carol Kane notable kind of old lady comic actor she was uh, miracle max's wife in the princess bride uh very particular look and sound to her oh, yeah. um it's going to be a, the, the complete opposite of of him or uh i'm in, interested to see what they do with her but they also like the first officer got arrested mm-hmm. as a freakish remain. genetic manipulated experiment that she's been hiding out uh the direct descendant of noonian con noonian soon is doing left the ship to do some release relief work efforts. Uh, it, it seems like it's um, there's going to be a lot more movement in the crew, which you know the Enterprise like we've got some pieces in place. We got 
Spock and Nurse Chapel and uh, Uhura is there, but there's a lot of places. There's a lot of moves that need to be made to get into the familiar seven year mission. So most Star Trek is defined by the bridge crew is never going to change. going to die. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives a little pizzazz. Like I was blown the fuck away when they killed Himmler. He was one of my favorite yeah, characters yeah. and he dies. <laughs> yeah. He's just straight up dead. Uh, you know, it didn't occur to me when we were talking about it, but if, if Jack Quaid is going to show up in this, there has to be some timey wimey shit happening because oh, for sure it has the to be lower decks takes place after next generation when like Riker is yeah. captain of the Titan and stuff. So yeah, it, I think I, I could love, I would love to see a broadly comedic crossover episode where they get sucked through a wormhole and try to get back. And it's just a whole self-referential meta episode. I could do for that. sure. That sounds like a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Get, get, I mean, I don't know how old they're supposed to be in Lower Decks and how old they're supposed to be in this show, but if you had them coming over when Riker could be the age that Jonathan Frakes is right now, mm-hmm. and you could get Jonathan Frakes into this show too, I would love mm. that. So last year we did this a lot of coverage on OTC, and there's a bit of a scandal because I thought I'd lo- I watched the finale, which was the Gorn episode where he has a notable death and uh, we were talking and I started saying like you know I just don't understand like where they're going with Jim Kirk's brother and all that <laughs> and like you know wondered about and you're like what the fuck are you talking about uh-huh. so I then the last week watched the finale of season one which I hadn't done before because I somehow like we were watching last year on screeners too weren't because I think I got something I jumbled think so up. yeah um James Kirk features prominently in the finale episode. It made me Very. sound like a real dumb dumb. Uh, I've now seen it and I have thoughts. I'm not sure I like this version of Jim Kirk. This does not feel like Jim Kirk to me. This guy. Really? In what way? He's just, I mean, look, Bill Shatner's a lot. Oh, and this guy is not a lot. Like they're talking him up like he's the big swagger and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't like to lose and he doesn't he's he, he skirts the edge of the law. But like mm-hmm. this guy looks establishment. He doesn't have that kind of like wild streak. I don't think in his performance. He's just there's he's just not as charismatic. Huh. He, OK, yeah, I can get I, I can see eye to eye on that for sure. I think he's doing his best and it's tough with, you know, a guy as um Let's say a, a guy with as strong of a signature as William Shatner. Uh, I think Chris it, Pine did it, though. And that's the other thing. It's like it's more galling that I've seen a dude step into those shoes and not fill them, but play sure. jazz with them in a way that's like, yes, that's that feels you're, like you're talking me. about a maybe one of the most charismatic men on the planet. <laughs> there aren't a, there aren't but a handful of those guys. So unless you're going to get a Chris Pine level guy on this show, is it that hard end, to find like a it's a, gotta you know, be. Like it's a, like a Will, I mean, Chris Bill Pine Shatner. is exceptionally charming. This is true. This is true. But I feel like Hollywood just got a million of them and we're importing more from uh, Australia every day. Uh, <laughs> Fair. You know, <laughs> these like good, yeah, like generically tall, charismatic blonde dudes. Well, we don't, we're, we're running out of those in Hollywood now. I, I, I don't I, know. Th- yeah, you might be right. Especially, um, especially since Pike, Anson Mount is one of the most, he's like, he is blowing James T. Kirk off the screen in terms of charisma. Hmm. I, I'm not sure I totally agree, but I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, it, it's a 
he's not a great like one-to-one replacement for William Shatner, but I do think he was bringing something to the role that convinced me that he was Shatner and maybe it was, or that he was Kirk and maybe it's more in the writing than it is in the performance because I did feel like they wrote the character of James T. Kirk. And there is something to the idea that James T. Kirk is not James T. Kirk, commander of the USS Enterprise yet. He is Mm -hmm. a very newly minted captain, is wet behind the ears, and he's cocky, sure, but this is a bit, you know, maybe he's just not there yet. But, like, I guess I always convinced that the, 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 the James T. Kirk part of the James T. Kirk was kind of in there from Starfleet Academy. Like the Kobayashi the Maru, Chris Pine is playing in the exactly. movies for sure. Like, yeah, this is a kid who swears at police officers trying to pull his, him over driving his dad's listens to Space Corvette, Boys. the Beastie uh-huh. Boys. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this James T. Kirk does does that. No, I don't. No, I'm okay. worried. I'm worried about passing the torch over the disc Kirk. I don't think he's Kirky enough. He's Kirky well, this- enough for an episode, but. This this was one possible future Kirk. Am I am I wrong about true, that? It's been a while since I've seen that. They're running episode. him back in this trailer, like he's they the are, same. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I said, maybe this guy's got a, an extra gear that he gets to. Maybe he's throttling it down to to suggest a, a Kirk who's not quite the the brash galaxy spanning captain. But that's that's the one concern I have. Um, gotcha. And it might just be because Anson Mounts is such a fucking stud. <laughs> Could be. And William Shatner. Who's your still, favorite character? Still alive and kicking out there. Uh, favorite character. Boy. Um, it's probably Pike. It's hard not to like Pike. We we spend a lot of time yeah. with Pike. Um, I, I really like Uhura in this, this, this version really of her. Uh, as someone who's like kind of unsure she wants to be in Starfleet and feeling it out. Um, I, I like her a lot in this. I I had like a neck and neck relationship with Himmer and McBinga, the medical officer. And oh, unfortunately, there's only one horse. Really good. I'm still shocked that they dispensed with that. Like, yeah. So many like uh, the Pike thing. They're continuing uh, the first officer, um, Illyrian, uh, illegal jet, 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 jet modification. They're continuing on. But like they just resolved that in like the fourth episode. What I thought mm-hmm. was going to be like data trying to be human or Jordy wanting eyes or like it just nope that that shit just got resolved. Yeah. Um, I also really like the Lan Noonien soon character. But the problem is, is like. I don't think I, I thought it was intriguing that like you're going to have like a I don't know, like a half blood superior genes. But it seems like that they're saying that it's she's separated so far from the Noonian bloodline that like that's she doesn't have any. She's actually not a super soldier. So I kept on expecting her to do mm. special shit, mm. but she never they she never did. So it's like, I don't know, like I, I like. I wanted to like her, but it feels like she and the pilot are about the same and that like they definitely have big writer ideas for what they're going to be, but that shit hasn't manifested and kind of they soft wrote her out of the show. Yeah, yeah. The but she's going to be back. One. We see her in the trailer. Yeah, so. true. But uh, you know, why I like her because I, I squint and I see drummer. I like drummer okay. as a Starfleet officer is totally. a fascinating idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I hope they 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 do something. I hope they I hope they come up with something for Nurse Chapel to do, but sets up 
Spock. Oh my well, god! Well, based on the trailer, there's going to be plenty it's more. A lot of that. Of that. It's going to be a lot of that. That's the thing we we're listing off pretty much every character is like which are your favorite characters because I I think they did some really good characters in this one uh, you have your your staples who you already kind of know like you sort of know Pike you definitely know Yuhira. uh you know Spock for sure you know Spock and I think uh, Ethan Peck is a great Spock he's a yes. really good Spock I think everybody they picked for Spock has been very good uh, true. I think this guy who played Siler on Heroes, uh, also very good. I forget his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's. I wonder. I wonder if he's the origin, the the easiest of the original bridge crew to cast because Leonard Nimoy was so pulled back and reserved in that role ninety percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, so the the challenge is when to show that ten percent, and I feel like they're showing it ten percent of the time, fifty percent of the time <laughs> on uh, <laughs> Strange New Worlds. Yeah, Spock, Spock, New Worlds. Um, what else do we have to say except for I'm really excited. Uh, and we've got screeners. This is a show we have screeners for. Uh, hooray to pa- uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, so uh, maybe we should talk about those. the schedule of release. I think we're going to be releasing these day and date with the episode airing um, as mm-hmm. much as we can, because sometimes they surprise us with an episode. So. Yeah, so the first one's going to come out June 15th. Uh, we have, uh, they, they give us street dates on those that are usually like midnight or 3 a.m., but usually they come out a couple hours before. I'm not, I haven't quite got a handle on Star Trek or uh, Paramount Plus, but uh, whenever the mm-hmm. episode airs, they should, our full coverage of the episode should be available at baldmove.com the second it drops. Yep. Certainly by the time the episode's over, with rare exception. Um, but yeah, and we'll probably because we're going to be because we have them screeners and we'll be recording some of these in advance, the feedback might be disconnected or like separated mm-hmm. by a week or two um, or we might do a separate show. I it just depends on how much, uh, you know, how much feedback we get. Um, so, yeah, we'll see, because also we'll be doing at some points of the season four other shows, I think. Oh, God, uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a busy, busy summer, busy summer schedule with uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek leading us off here. So yeah, that's the release schedule. Uh, this will be cross-posted to Bald Move Pulp uh, as well as its Baldly Go. Um, it's all—it's really fun to finally get an explicit Star Trek reference uh, with an explicit Bald Move reference because if you don't mm-hmm. know, Bald Move is an elaborate Picard joke that we <laughs> used elaborate. to say across board game tables in high school. Uh, and now we got this come full circle. We got Baldly Go. Uh, the email you want to send is just going to be something uh, that's that's repurposable. Star Trek at baldmove.com. This is the the home of all Star Trek now. Star Trek at baldmove.com uh, for feedback that you want to send. We'll get to it as much as we can in whatever format we can. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to baldly going with you in the season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And uh, we'll be back for the first episode next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.